0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um if you are watching us live, you can you'll be watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. We broadcast live most Wednesday/Thursday evenings about half past 8. Um if you go to one of our various social media cha- media channels, you can normally find out on there when we plan to put one of these out. But don't worry if you miss the live broadcast. You can watch back later or you can download an audio version on any of your podcast apps like Apple Podcasts. I nearly said iTunes. I don't think iTunes is a thing anymore. I'm old. I can't keep up with all the different words. <laughs> We're on Spotify as well um, and other podcast apps. Um Joining me this evening, we have George in front row, John Anderson. Good evening, John.
1: <laughs> Anderson Ishvili, uh, I think he finds my new name. Uh, yes, Good. pleasure to be here as always. Gary, how are you?
0: Uh, so I am very well. John John rocking the uh, Georgian Rugby World Cup top tonight, as well as the beard and um, shiny head combo.
1: I'm, I'm basically fully qualified for
0: Georgia now, yeah. yeah that's it. Uh, also joining us this evening, we have Johnny McGinty. Good evening, Johnny.
2: Hello, how are we doing? I'm still uh, glitching at the moment today.
0: That's fine. Johnny will catch, Johnny's internet will catch up with us probably around the uh, end of the podcast where we all say goodbye. <laughs> um, we've got a packed podcast yeah. for us. Yeah, there we go, see? Case in point. <laughs> um, so we've got a packed podcast tonight. Um, we've got lots to get through, lots of news. Um, but first of all, we want to, uh, we we earlier uh, this week, or indeed yesterday, I spoke to um, Scaife about they, uh, their initiative, Rugby for Peace, which they run in Colombia. a very interesting uh, film that they've put out. Um, so we're gonna play that interview for you now. Hello, everybody. I'm joined by Mark Camburn and James Cave uh, to talk a little bit about their documentary, Rugby for Peace. But first, because um, when we have guests on the podcast, we always have a standard question we like to open with. Um, Mark, I'm gonna start with you. Um, what club socks would you wear if you were selected for the barbarians
3: okay thanks very much uh so for me i'd have to go for two socks if i if i ever got that opportunity i would um have my north Berwick rugby club socks uh and then on the other leg i would go for my santa cruz rugby club which was my club for 12 odd years when i played in bolivia that'd be my, my other my other socks that i'd have to wear yeah, very exotic socks mark what about <laughs> yeah.
4: you james um well i mean as you can probably hear from my accent i'm from from the north of England so I'll be wearing some socks from down in Lancashire and um, probably for filed rugby club which is the local club uh, just from here where I grew up so uh, uh, just the one sock for me
0: very good all right <laughs> I think we, we allow you two of the same James I think wouldn't be, wouldn't be so cruel um so um guys you, you've been you've kind of produced this film um rugby for peace um Mark do you want to just tell us a little bit about about the film and the, and the project and how that came about
3: yeah so a few years ago, actually, um, when I was still based out in, in Bolivia, but working for Skif, we started thinking about how we could uh, use, uh, if there's any way we could kind of cross over between rugby and the kind of peace building and development work that, that I do um, at SCIA. Uh And so started investigating like kind of if there was any kind of rugby for peace or rugby for development type work that already existed and came across some existing uh, initiatives in Colombia, which is where we were already working, um, which just seemed a bit too good to be true. So... Um, Got in touch with um, the the guys in Colombia f- uh, from an organisation called Fundacion Buen Punto, uh, and started chatting to them and to see if there's any way that uh, Skiaf could support them to further develop their uh, their work with rugby and um, peace building in, in Colombia, because they um, they worked in the same region of Colombia where we we already had peace building work going uh, ongoing. So that's kind of so it came about really kind of me bringing together my kind of my, my passion for rugby and my work and trying to see if they, we could find like a kind of nexus in the middle of that. Um, at a very yeah SCIAF was very supportive of the idea we managed to start with a small pilot project um a sort of one- year project to kind of see how that how that would go um and it kind of just went from strength from strength to strength um from that uh, kind of start uh, and then in terms of the film I started chatting to, to James and some other of the her kind of colleagues in, in skiF about the project and obviously it's very different to the work that we usually do in skiF uh, and James got very excited by it and thought, well, "We need to, we need to get some, some of this on on camera and see what it looks like." I um, think uh, initially we thought about doing like just a wee, a wee, uh, wee kind of, I don't know, five minute feature on it, but it it, it grew legs and arms and became this big uh, feature film that, that we've now produced.
0: And, and James views it as the filmmaker. Kind of how um, how did that evolve? For you, what was it kind of. As, as Mark said, you know, a kind of quick five-minute piece, but was it when you got in to start filming that it kind of became that there was more of a story there to tell, or, or was it the initial idea kind of planted a seed?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I joined Skif now about two and a half years ago, and it was sort of the tail end of the, of the lockdown when I arrived, and um, I was obviously getting to know the organisation, and this rugby project just really stood out as something that was incredibly innovative, but also just really kind of inspiring the thought of, you know, kids on the beach playing rugby, um, and, and so, like Mark says, we initially thought, well, let's go and just um, see if we can grab um, enough material for a short five-minute documentary. And so we engaged uh, some local filmmakers um, in and around Choco to go and and, and visit the the, the project, um, and and they were there for about a week uh, in length. And when they got back in touch, they sent you know like hours and hours and hours of footage and it was it was just amazing it was so it was so beautifully shot Um the interviews were really powerful and sort of covered a whole range of you know obviously some of the challenges that people face every day uh, with with the armed conflict around them the sort of the effects of the pandemic and also living on the front line of the of, of the climate crisis but also there was so much hope there was such a sort of uh, a wonderful rounded view of of the communities there, the strength of the communities, uh, and also the love for this new um, game that they've not experienced before. You know, as Mark will probably tell you later, in that part of Colombia, rugby is not massively well played. So this new ball, uh, this new game was very exciting. And also particularly uh, interesting for me is that we've we've been working with indigenous communities in in, in Colombia. So to be able to go and take rugby to those places it just felt like this is an amazing opportunity to tell these stories and so i kind of got into the into the content and and after producing a five-minute film i was like there's, there's too much good stuff here and it kept building and building and growing arms and legs and um and the documentary eventually emerged about six months uh, later um but with the support of lots of, of people both over in Colombia, the partners who helped um you know with the filming but also Um, some local musicians here in Scotland, some local designers, and and I think the product that came out at the end, I think, gives a really lovely rounded view of of life over there.
0: And and Mark, it's it's an interesting kind of choice, Columbia. I think until I'd kind of read up about the film and and the thinking behind it, I hadn't, I think I had quite appreciated kind of the conflict that had gone on in Colombia for for 50 years, and, and, you know, with the Peace Accords only being signed in, in 2016, I think most people's experience maybe in in the UK and, and in other countries is of, you think of Colombia, you think of, you know, the kind of American 80s and 90s films about, you know, the FBI and DE agents going in and dealing with kind of mm-hmm. drugs, that, and then that, that conflict isn't something that was particularly well known about. So... I suppose it that, that, that what was the reason in going into Colombia in, in particular is is it was it the kind of after effects of, of that conflict?
3: Um, yeah, so so actually, The conflict in Colombia is, is ongoing, um, so it's been going on for over over sixty years now. There, there was a peace accord signed. Um, back in 2016 with one of the guerrilla groups with the FARC um, which is the largest guerrilla group but there are other uh, armed uh, groups in Colombia still operating so you have a group called the ELN which is another uh, large guerrilla group um, still active and currently in peace negotiations with the government um, and you have paramilitary um, groups as well um, and you have all sorts of um, uh, things linked up, linked into the drugs trade and arms trafficking and illegal mining that kind of keeps fueling the conflict and it's particularly prevalent in rural areas in Colombia Um, So we've been working in Colombia since the the 1980s um, and peace has been a main focus of our work in Colombia since then. Um, And so um, we've been working in this region in in Choco in this part, we've been working there since 2006, working on peace building, working with local leaders, with local communities affected by conflict, working on their their kind of right to access land, the right to to define how their land's used, um, their ability to stand up and speak out without feeling under threat. So, peace building is a real kind of central focus of our work in Colombia and in that region. Um, and so, uh, when this kind of idea came about that we might be able to work with a slightly different focus to peace building, bringing in sport and seeing how sport can be used to kind of work on peace building and work on those same kind of peace building ideas and values, but maybe with a younger age group and kind of trying to get those ideas in from a very young age through a kind of a, a something that's quite fun and, and 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 new and innovative for the for, for people there. It just seemed like a perfect fit to, to kind of start doing this in, in this work in Colombia.
0: And, and what's the reception to rugby in particular? Because I know in like Uruguay and Argentina and other parts of South America, it's traditionally been a very kind of linked to private schools and, and, and maybe kind of the, the richer elements of society. So how is it? How is that being received? Is it the fact that it's just not known at all that that there is no kind of prejudice that comes with it, or or, or has that? Yeah. Been challenging?
3: I mean. Uh... Rugby has um, it has a certain history in Colombia, but um, more in kind of uh, Bogota and Medellin and the kind of bigger urban areas. Um, I would say rugby is, I think mean, Colombia is probably one of the fastest growing rugby countries at the moment in South America. It's really, really developing fast, but in the Choco region, there was, there was no rugby. It's the only part of Colombia where, uh, until the sort of project came on, uh, there was no rugby in, in, that, in that department in Colombia. So for everyone there, it's a completely new sport. Um, never heard of it never never played it don't know what it's about um so in that sense they're completely open to, to kind of just getting involved and in that there's no there's no prejudice there's nothing there's no baggage that comes with it and that's one of the the advantages of using rugby in this area because we could use another sport like football for example uh, and in fact the methodology we use comes out of a methodology called football for peace and so we could have gone in with football but football is a sport everyone knows there and everyone already has all their kind of their kind of uh, baggage in terms of which club they support and those kind of as you know those kind of rivalries that kind of build out of that so going in with a fourth new tournament it, it, you kind of gets rid of all those kind of those existing rivalries that might exist
0: yeah and and, and james i suppose one of the things that um i think particularly with rugby fans is a lot more awareness now of south american rugby i think traditionally kind of you know that there's been argentina and, and uruguay but more recently, we've seen kind of Chile coming, you know, coming through and getting very exciting. So, is is that as a filmmaker, I suppose, and going to making this film, it's kind of is that an exciting opportunity to kind of talk about this emerging, this fast-growing sport and and, and the impact it can have on communities? Is it was was that an exciting part of the, the
4: filmmaking process? Um, well, I think a bit like I said earlier, I suppose that it. it because it was quite new for a lot of the communities, that was really exciting to kind of capture their initial reactions to this to this new sport that had come to their communities and and how it was it was bringing disparate parts of the whole region together well, I, so I suppose um, I, I can probably only comment on that side of things in terms of, of um, of how rugby has, has helped that region but i suppose as a, a, the wider perspective mark i mean mark wants played for the bolivian rugby team so he's probably got a better angle on, <laughs> on 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 the region in general
0: yeah i suppose residency works two ways mark i guess it <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> doesn't need but yeah um i was actually gonna add on to that from what james was saying that the kind of the fast-growing part of rugby in Colombia is also women's rugby and been really developing. And um, I don't know if you remember back to last year, Cami, um, the Scottish women's team actually played Colombia in the final playoff to get to the World Cup. So you can really see how much rugby is growing in Colombia, that they were like one step away from getting to the getting to the Women's World Cup. Um, but that's something that we kind of want that we want to tap into. So the project is really trying to focus on getting as many girls involved as possible. Um, so originally we'd, we'd set quite low targets in terms of, because we weren't sure what would be possible in terms of getting girls involved. But... As again, as there's no baggage with the sport, they just, everyone just sees it as like a new sport for everybody to get involved in. So we're getting very close to 50-50 participation, girls and boys. Um, and that we see that's a really positive angle. And uh, we have been working with the the Colombian Rugby Federation. So they're obviously aware of the project, aware of the film. They um, really enjoyed the film and they're really keen on that angle as well, of how we can kind of push um, girls' involvement and,
4: and women's involvement in the rugby. And I suppose and, as well, and, a, a great thing as well, just to add quickly to that, is the, the project is obviously free for any of the participants to go and join in. And we follow the story of one girl in a, an Indigenous community who had, had been part of a football club through her school previously, but suddenly the costs for kit and for equipment had meant that she couldn't continue doing that. But Rugby for Peace coming in meant that, you know, she could she could start playing sport again, and and, and the balls were provided, and the training kits were provided um, through the Skiaf project. So the barriers are really low, and, and, and not just women and girls as well, people with disabilities um, joined in as well with the project. So it's a really sort of... Um, it's a great sort of community project because you've got people of all ages as, as well, you know, young, young children up to sort of young adults. So um, it, 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 that's a, a huge benefit, I think, of the, of the work.
0: And, and in terms of, uh, we've, we've kind of covered the history of rugby in this country on this podcast before. And, and I think when one of the reasons rugby took off, particularly in kind of Scotland and England, is there were very similar kind of pastimes, you know, ball games where you'd have whole towns kind of going and passing the ball around between shops and in high streets. What, was there anything kind of similar to rugby that you could kind of point at? Or is this a, like a completely new concept, Mark, altogether to them?
3: I think in that region, it's completely new. I don't think there's... Um... I know like we've been invited into indigenous communities, and they have their own indigenous games. But I don't think there's any kind of real similarity between those kind of indigenous games and, and rugby. Um, but obviously, like yeah, team sports is, is. I mean, footballs a really, really important in Colombia. And so, every every village you go to in Colombia, there'll be a football pitch of you know, to, to some some degree of uh, construction. You know, just like a few posts in in the grass. But there'll always be a, like a village football pitch, and so they have that kind of team sport and, and uh, competing aspect. Uh, yeah, but not sports similar to rugby I don't think there is really a Columbia sport that you could compare to rugby.
0: And what's been the reception of going into kind of the Indigenous communities have they been is the has it been kind of easy to win the move with it being kind of a, a sport initiative or, or have there been challenges?
3: Yeah so I thought that would be really challenging and I think we, we talk about this a bit in the film that we we thought it was going to be really challenging to get into Indigenous communities um they are quite um kind of keep themselves to themselves it's not always easy to gain access you have to ask for permission before you go and work in an indigenous community they kind of allow you to come in they can often be quite isolated from other communities so it's not not easy to reach them so i wasn't sure whether we'd get into indigenous communities where we would be have to work there or not but they've proved to be really really open to it um, i think the the team on the ground in, in colombia have been very good at kind of speaking to their leaders and um, kind of going through the right channels so the kind of the the pathways path are open for them to come in and then I've just shown how, how inclusive the, the sport is, how they're getting everyone involved, how, how it's free to participate in as well. Um, and so they've been really, really um, open to it. We've, fortunately, we've had a few challenges since uh, the film went out um, with some of the Indigenous communities, but it's around the security situation. Um, so, because of the isolation of some of the communities, um, you often have uh, some of the armed groups operating in the regions around where the communities are. Um, so, we had a, a situation last year. Um, we had to stop some of the some of the activities in some of the communities because there was um uh, armed activities going on in those areas and it wasn't safe for people to come in and it was the communities themselves that got in touch with our our staff on the ground and said it's not safe just now to come in we have to to stop activities for just now so we're working to see how we can overcome those those issues because obviously those are the communities where we want to be working because they're obviously where they have the real issues with conflict but we have to look after the the safety of the of the the staff who are delivering the, the project
0: and, and is that are you able to kind of work with the groups operating in the area, or is that something you have to just completely step back from? Is it are you able to kind of go in there and explain what you do? You know, I, I guess be a distrust not just of kind of sport, but maybe kind of cameras going into an area as well.
3: Yeah, we have to be completely neutral, so not take any sides, um, uh, and we have to be very transparent in terms of what we're doing. So making sure that the the leaders within the community and, therefore, potentially, people who are listening and watching. We're linked to the armed groups. Are aware of what we're doing and what the project is, and see that it's not a threat to anybody. That it's just it's coming into work with the with the, with the children and young people in the community. But yeah, it's just a, a case of being very open, very transparent. Um, As of working directly with the, with the armed groups, not we 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 wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, and and James, how can people how can people get involved? How can people kind of find the film?
4: Yeah, so um, lots of ways to get involved. Um, obviously, to, to watch the film, um, if you, you head over to the, the SkiAF website, so skiaf.org.uk forward slash rugby for peace. Uh, and the film has now gone publicly available, so you can watch it there uh, from the website. Um, obviously, if, if that inspires you to continue supporting the work that we're doing over in Colombia, um, there's a, a donation page at skiaf.org.uk forward slash rugby. Uh, and so any any contribution there will help obviously continue um, with with staffing costs, with rugby kit, with rugby balls and and obviously making sure that we can continue to reach these um, remote communities and then obviously with Christmas approaching um, we have also um, brought out a series of ethical gifts for for Christmas time and you can buy um, the gift of rugby initiatives which uh, again, is a nice way of sort of keeping rugby in mind at Christmas time. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope people enjoy the film and like. Do please get in touch with with SkiAF if you've enjoyed it, and if you'd be interested in showing the film as well, maybe at your rugby club or um, you know any group that you're involved with. If you if you if you drop an email to get involved at skiAF.org.uk, our community team can help with uh, preparing a wee screening. Um, so yeah, we just want people to watch it and enjoy it.
0: Fantastic. We, we'll make sure all those links are on our, on, on the website, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk as well, so people can get access to them. Um, Mark, is the, are there plans to kind of expand this to other countries then after this?
3: Yeah, so our, our kind of long-term goal is to do that. Um, I think at, at this stage, what we want to do is grow it more in Colombia. Um, so we, we've just started a new three-year project with our local partner, Fundación Buen Punto. As you just said, are all they're all ex rugby players who, who run this organisation. So they're ex Colombian rugby players who are who are helping us run this project in Colombia. Um, so our plan with them is to to try and grow the project in Colombia first, and then we'd look to to take it to other countries as well. Um, SkiF works in uh, eight countries across the world. Uh, a number of them are affected by conflict, so we'd really like to 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 grow the project to to some of those other countries where we work, so maybe DRC, uh, South Sudan, Ethiopia countries that have had a history of, of conflict, a recent history of conflict. Um, but it's really important for us that we find the right local partners to, to, to run the project through, because we don't, SkiAF doesn't have any uh, skier staff on the ground in any of these countries. We only work through local organisations. So um, we need to would need to find the right organisations who we could work with to be able to then run these, these type of projects. Important also to mention that it doesn't have to be rugby. Obviously, rugby is our, our hook just now, but it could be other sports as well. The methodology can be applied As I've said to football and to other sports. Um, uh, So that might be a way into other countries as well, they might be able to do it with, with different sports.
4: So maybe there'll be like a hockey for peace um, Sequel, so cool, you know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, could,
0: I know. I was going to well say I don't think that I don't Quite, maybe not quite the uh, climate for curling for peace. <laughs> <laughs> but,
3: not where we work. You no, know.
0: oh, might be kind of a limit, limits on how far we can uh, push some Scottish sports. Well, listen, Mark and James, thank you very much for joining us. It's been really interesting. As I we said, we'll make sure all the links to the to the film and and to, to to ski effort are all on the blog. And thank you very much for joining us.
3: Thank you so much, Cameron. Really appreciate your support. And yeah, please do get in touch with us if anyone wants more information about the film or would like to do a screening. We'd be delighted to, to come and, and, and share the film with you. Thanks
4: right. so much. Thanks.
0: So that's Rugby for Peace. Um, if you want to know more, if you go to the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, uh, find the, the link for this podcast. Um, we've got all the links to the film. You can watch the film on there. Get in touch with the guys, um, and there's a link to the shop as well. There'll be a link to the shop uh, as well uh, where you can buy the gift of rugby for Christmas. But remember, like a puppy, rugby is not just for Christmas or just the Six Nations or the Autumn Test. It is it is for 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 life as well. But yeah, a really, really interesting initiative, really interesting film as well. Um that you can watch for free. And as as they said there, if you have a rugby club or a social club or anything, then you want to show the film there and, and make a bit of a night of it. Um, spread the word, then get in touch, and they'll c- happily come along and run that for you. One of the things they touched upon there, and this here is how we're going to seamlessly link in the next bit, was um.
2: This I know. Uh,
0: The growth of women's rugby in Colombia, much like the growth of women's rugby in Scotland. Oof! Did you see? Can't see it's the so joining so with that I, call. I know. Um, so big news this week in Scotland. We now have. I'm not going to say two pro teams because they're not. But we baby steps, everyone. We have two teams, women's teams, that are now aligned to Glasgow Warriors and Edinburgh. Johnny, it feels like a step in the right direction. And yeah, there's a lot of positives. Let's talk about the positives first, and then we can then we can get onto it.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think. It's an expansion of the Celtic League competition, I can't remember if that's how they worded the name um, which I think is definitely the sort of thing that we, we're wanting to do. The URC when it was rebranded made a lot of noise about wanting to have a, a, a women's competition running alongside the men's so we're kind of headed towards that now with two Scottish, two Irish, two Welsh teams. It certainly seems like it's it's lighting up the way that it's been talked about so like you say, it's the start. We we'll have to see if it keeps going.
0: I think, John, in terms of the way it's been set up, I think Scotland, I think, are a bit of ahead of the game here because it's obviously it's Irish and Welsh teams going into it, but because the the two Scotland teams are aligned to the clubs, that means, for example, as as Glasgow have announced and KubeNet have announced, they're able to kind of they've got the sponsors on board to come and sponsor the women's team. You've got an identified branding already that, that both sets of players are going to play in the club strips. So there is an established structure. There's established resources in place. You've got easy access to kind of, you know, they're already talking about, you know, I think the first double header is going to be held ahead of the 1872 in the Hive. So you go, you can watch the game, the women's game in the Hive, then cross the road and go to Murrayfield and sit, um, you know, with, with sit miles away from anybody else in Murrayfield, <laughs> um, but that I mean, that that to me is a massive step ahead to what the Welsh and the Irish teams have done, which is to set up completely new teams. This is the, the, so Scotland are already ahead, I think, with the way they're setting this up,
1: yeah, I, absolutely. And, and whisper it is this the benefit of having two, two pro clubs, uh, and not having four? Um, you know, uh, yeah, I'm obviously being flippant with that, but no, I think I think it is really good, and I think that's uh, the excitement levels it automatically generates a, a, you know, there's a bit of a let's say, ownership that comes with that that supporters already feel more engaged in, you know because best in the world trying to generate interest in a Leinster, you know, what was that, Leinster Ulster hybrid called the Wolf wolf pack or wolf hounds or whatever they're called you know it doesn't quite work as well I, I think so i think yeah i think scotland do have a have an advantage in that sense uh the problem you do have is a lot of our players you know obviously a lot of Scottish the scottish players because of the way the structure has been organized for so many years we do have a lot of players who don't play in scotland uh, and who are obviously elsewhere. So, you know, it's a great opportunity for for further growth, uh, and I'm sure both pro clubs' media managers will be all over this when the time comes.
0: I think that's that's interesting. There was a, there was a photo, Johnny, that um, Alice Martin posted on her Instagram earlier this week of uh, it was Leicester Tigers and Loughborough. I think played this weekend. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. and it was the the, the sheer number. Of Scottish Scottish internationals, yeah. they had a photo, a group photo of them at the end, and yeah, it was easy. A dozen of them, I think. Yeah, but and that's not. You look right across the Prem Fifteens, and it's not. It's it's not just Leicester and Loughborough. We we have. It feels almost like English top flight football in the seventies and early eighties now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, and I think that's going to be going to be one of the big challenges for this moving forward is is how they sort of reconcile that and, and what they're going to do about that because if it's going to continue to expand in this Celtic League whether that becomes like a mirror URC with South African teams or whether it, it stays as the Celtic League that's clearly the main focus of, of the SRU at the moment. Um, I would imagine they want to be competitive in that so To that end, are they going to start bringing back internationals and paying them to play for these Scottish teams, or are we leaving them being paid for by somebody else and we're using this as a bit more of a development? In which case, again, you know, with the best will in the world, that's a difficult thing even for existing Glasgow Edinburgh fans to get behind. If you're saying we've got this Glasgow women's team or this Edinburgh women's team, but we're not going to pay for any contracts to get any of our international players it's it's harder to root for and it doesn't give you that opportunity to see your international stars week in, week out. So I think they kind of have to decide what the plan is and how they're going to overcome that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, some of the names as well we've got, it was the Wolfhounds and Clovers. The Clovers, yeah. For the Irish name. Clovers is a terrible name. Oh, it's
1: absolutely horrendous.
0: Wolfhounds I'm, I'm on with. Then you've got Brython Thunder and... <laughs> Qualia, Qualier Lightning. I don't know how you say How do you do How do you make the the G and the W? Sound? Absolutely
2: no idea, but I can tell you that Rihanna Garth Jones will be shouting at her
0: headphones yeah. right now, telling let's you find, exactly how you're doing. Let's make this find way. numerous ways to mispronounce this. Let's call it Gwilya. Let's, let,
1: let's call it Jeff. Jeff Lightning. Sell,
0: both the Welsh names I said sound like second rate Game of Thrones characters earlier in the week. <laughs>
2: or or
1: we c- went down Cair. really
0: well with all our Welsh friends that was huge to imagine. Yeah, I did, yeah.
2: characters
1: and cars the cars franchise.
0: And then the two and if you look at if you look at the way that they've branded the Welsh teams all they've done is they've nicked they've obviously like contracted the Glasgow Warriors um logo cool. designer and just got said we want this but in different colors. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz it's just the Glasgow but but the I mean but but Craig we're talking about we're talking about the new um Women's teams aligned to Glasgow and Edinburgh. We've moved on to the other, the Welsh and the Irish teams. We, we were just kind of covering how, you know, Scotland are a step ahead because their teams are aligned to to existing teams, so that 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 gives us a, a step ahead. But there must be some investment, definitely in in well Wales, because they've managed to spend some money on branding.
5: Oh, there's bound to be, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Have they got enough players? To, oh no, actually you probably find that the women's side of things they've got enough players to scrummage against each other, etc. <laughs>
0: that that's where that's where we end up in Welsh rugby is the what uh, qualia lightning scrummaging against the dragons first choice scrum. <laughs> <laughs> but Craig, I mean how you, how exciting is this for you, this this announcement we've got two not pro teams, we'll come on to that in a moment. We're doing the positives first. We've got two teams aligned to the pro teams.
5: Yeah it's for me it's 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 exciting for me because we're getting hopefully two pro teams or two aligned pro teams who eventually will become pro teams hopefully um it's it's advancing um sort of the top end of women's rugby so that we have the knock-on effect that more women and girls will get the chance to play rugby and and see rugby and and, and hopefully then align themselves to to a team you know or or I was going to say professional team, but you understand what I mean. Um, the only issue we have is how is that going to affect the Premiership teams, um, and, and that's my concern. And I certainly, um, I've had a couple of people message me on on, on X or Twitter, if you want, if you want to call it, um, uh, to say that they're concerned about the uh, uh, the women's teams that the you know the, the, the Premiership and National One teams or whatever they're called now. So it's, it's difficult, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm just one of those people that anything, you know, that can be aligned uh, to get parity with um, the, the men's side of things for the women's teams is a good thing. Um, uh, so, and, and also from what I know with some of the players, they're looking for higher level rugby because a lot of the, the, the difference between age group and thistles, if you, uh, and also not just age group, but also club rugby, and the thistles was a massive step up, so they're looking for that massive step up.
0: I think the one thing that is like at the minute, I think Doug Struth has said, John, that that you know they are. You know, let's see where this goes. It may end up in semi-professional rugby. I think it, it's kind of disappointing that that's the aspiration, and that the aspiration isn't now. We're, this will become. We'll end up with two pro teams here. We will end up with two professional women's teams, but this is and this is this this is the path we're on to deliver that. What we're getting is, I mean, Al Kellogg's statement put pretty much put the SIU at the very bottom of the list of people he thanked for setting this up. Ah. So <laughs> just classic Al Kellogg. But the um I think it's it's this I think it, you know this is great, it's fantastic. I think it's great. It's aligned to the thing. I think the disappointing thing is we don't there is no kind of pathway, not pathway for players, but pathway for the SIU to say, right, it, our aspirations in three years we will have two fully professional women's squads aligned to Glasgow and Edinburgh.
1: Yeah I th- I think you're absolutely right that it is definitely the most disappointing bit of it and you know best we know the SRU are normally quite I'm not going to say good they're they're quite good at saying nothing right and in this instance it's actually it would have been in their interests to say nothing to 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 go yeah so they're aligned to these clubs and almost let the fans fill in the blanks in their heads and go well if they're playing for a Glasgow warriors of edinburgh then they're definitely going to be professional at some point 100 and just let the fans do the work for them but instead they've you know they've almost it's been like okay so here's 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 some good news for you but we don't want yous getting carried away with this no no because you know really we know this isn't going to work and it just smacks of that typical attitude to women's rugby that the, the SRU have shown a lot through this process and it's yeah it's not it's not very good it's like how how do you how do you manage to get this wrong yet again when it is right you know it's just
0: uh. I suppose the, the worry for me Craig is that we we're back where men's rugby was kind of at the turn of professionalism and You know, I'm not expecting somebody to wave, shake a magic money tree, or you know, in the SIU you got back garden and, and get a load of money to start paying people. But at the same time, we know that paying players means they can focus solely on their rugby and developing as players and playing for those teams and making those teams a success. And the risk is that if there isn't a plan to get them from... You know, where we are now to fully professionals, we get left behind. We're already way behind France and England, but there's a chance here that we, you know, all of a sudden Ireland takes some of this, the men in charge of Irish will be taking interest in this. Wales are already kind of, you know, have already kind of cleared the dead wood in their organization to get this move, move moving ahead. There is a risk that if there isn't a plan, we get left behind.
5: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, y- y- well, first things first. From what I've been told, and I've heard um, Ireland's side of things is an absolute binfire at the moment. So um, we'll, we'll 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 have to wait and see how that all comes together. Um, I will be very interested to see how that comes together. But uh, yeah, um, the problem you have is, you, you, you know, it's almost like these two teams are going to be developing our future players who will then go on to play for professional teams in England. Um, or France um, at the moment and I think that's you're still going to have that so you're then going to have this situation where we're, we're looking for more women and girls playing rugby more women and girls playing high level rugby is this are these two teams going to give that to them and that's the big question. Um, and if if they're going to get it, uh, and they get a high level of rugby, then they're going to have to start paying them. The problem you have is that it's not really a league yet. Um, once they have a league, and hopefully this is a, a lead on to a URC version, so you're going to have Ireland, Wales, um, and, and ourselves, and, and and fingers crossed, hopefully Italy as well, all coming into a, a URC style league. Then you're going to hopefully then that you're going to get professional money. But I think it's a fair bit away yet. I think this is just the start. They're dipping yeah. their toes. No matter how good or bad that's going to
0: be, they're dipping their toes. Yeah, but we we let's like you know it's a positive move. Let's say they've done so. something. I think, and I think the choice to like as I said, the, the choice to line up with the two two existing teams. Is is good for sponsorship and fans and and creating that excitement and and as you say you know that must be exciting I suppose for the players although it was interesting when we had um, we were speaking last week um, you know to, to Sally about who Sally saying you know who do you support and she said I don't really care about the pro teams um, but <laughs> for, for young players who maybe do care about the pro teams that aspiration to kind of you know I I get to play for Edinburgh I get to play for Glasgow Warriors that's got to be huge Johnny.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, uh, I'll, I've will i never been shy about this before. I won't be shy now. I want Glasgow to beat Edinburgh in this women's game on the 30th. We're, we're going. I'll have my Glasgow kit on. I fully expect Glasgow to win. Uh, I think it's nice to kind of have a bit of that already. Um, and, you know, I think the pro team, pro, the pro game probably, I think, is a little bit more popular among younger people. So hopefully uh, girls that are coming through now will come through with an affinity to a pro team, with an ambition to play for either Glasgow or Edinburgh and and build a bit of the rivalry that there is already with the, the two pro men's teams. It, it would be nice for everyone to be able to feel that, I think. I
0: feel sad for the young people never to know that Edinburgh were once the Edinburgh Revers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, ideally, there would be a Cali Reds women's team, but Glasgow Glasgow, will do
0: yeah, that's that's what's gonna ha- that's what's gonna happen. You know, we we'll end up with three women's pro teams before we end up with three men's pro teams, oh, just because the game's going so fast.
1: Can you imagine the? <laughs> can you imagine uh, the fan base at that? Oh, that'd be beautiful. Make it yeah. so. Make it so.
0: So the other uh, big bit of news, as we come, we we're, 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 uh, come at the end of the the main podcast, is Holly Davidson has been announced as um, a assistant referee. Is that what they call the assistant official? Touch assistant judge. Referee, I think, yeah, yeah touch, back it. To touch yeah. judge. Touch it. Um, for, um In the Six Nations. Which, Craig, fantastic news. Long time coming. Well deserved. But, but why is she not a referee? Why is she not fully officiating a match? There's no reason why she shouldn't be fully officiating one of these matches.
5: I, I, you know, I, and also it's not like it, it's it's not like there's there's no gaps there because you've no longer got Wayne Barnes, you've no longer got Tom Foley. So, um, is it Tom Foley? Yeah. yeah. Um So I was going. to, I just had Axel Foley in my head and never <laughs> up. Um So for me, I th- she's an established referee. She's a world class referee, and everybody. Probably ninety nine point nine percent of the people who watch a refereeing a game go, well, oh, she's a pretty good referee, um, and she she doesn't attract the same sort of um, uh, derogatory comments to that all referees kind of get because she actually is, she's very knowledgeable, she explains things very well, um, and and leaves no one with any doubt of of what she means and what she's and and how she's officiating. So I, I it's I, I guess it's just hierarchy. I don't know. But I, I I'm 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 really pleased for her, but I'm gutted. I would like to see her to, as To answer. be fair
2: to them, I'd have to say what I think there probably is, is a protocol for how it happens. I don't think anyone gets to just be a referee in the Six Nations. As yeah. far as I can remember, everyone who referees has to be an assistant referee first and you have to work yeah. your way through. So I think there's there's an element of it's probably fairer on her that she has to do it the same way as everyone else, which means she has to be an assistant first.
0: Yeah, but it's not a small game, John. It's England Wales.
1: No, exactly. It's it's a, it's a bloody big game. So uh, it's, just, it, it's it's a huge huge step, and it does it does like like I know what Johnny's saying. You know, it's absolutely right that you know protocols are what they are in that sense. It does arc slightly that you go from refereeing the women's world cup final and refereeing it very very well to you know having to then kind of bide your time and you know do your tmo stuff and do your assistant referee and stuff before you get a shot to to actually referee at the top level of the men's game but that's fine if that is the process um i'm sure she'll fly through it and we'll see her officiating in the six nations uh very very soon properly
0: yeah yes i think it's testament to to holly davidson that i had somebody an irish fan in in our mentions saying what a fantastic job she did um refereeing a leinster game which you you don't hear that i know we're in a be kind era of referees but still you don't normally get that look that's it for us for this week for the main podcast um we'll be back next week with um probably some a review of the European fixtures that are taking place this weekend. There are European fixtures this weekend. Yes, I've not yes, seen yes, that. Yes, there yes. we are. We've got European rugby this weekend. So we are back with a review of that, catch up with some other bits and bobs of news. For the moment, though, it is goodbye from me, John, Johnny, and Craig. Bye. Bye, 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 y'all. bye
4: y'all.